So anyway, I was talking to this guy, right, right? He texted me the other day, and I think he was called something like, he called himself something like Ronald Dump. So, and he just offered me a lot of money for my Twitter account. So we're, st- we're still talking, right? But uh, anyway, I think I'll, I'll take him up on that offer. Oh, hey, I didn't, I didn't see you guys. Um, <laughs> welcome to the second episode of the Gears cast. Hi, Lily. <laughs> Hello, I am here too. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Having a good day. Um, gonna talk a lot today and uh, I'm gonna have fun. Same, same, same. This is gonna be a long one, everyone. We are doing our top five games of 2020. As well as some other adjacent games, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. I suppose we should clarify that by top games of 2020, we don't mean the top of all games that came out in 2020. We mean the top of the games we played personally in 2020. They didn't have to come out this last year. Exactly. Uh, This distinction is going to be very important throughout this whole process. And uh, you guys will just have to see. Um, So before we get into the actual top five, uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about a bunch of shout outs that we want to make to interesting games that we played but weren't quite up to, like, standard quality-wise, or, you know, just weren't in our top five. Yep. Um, would you like to start with that? Um, I will give you the first word. Great, okay. <laughs> what, what do you, wait, the first word? Yeah, just start, like, say yours. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, sure, okay, I, I got it. So... <laughs> This is a very weird one, and I'll, I'm going to be making a video about this, probably. Uh, but <laughs> my plan was it, you know, because I'm, I'm a sucker for story. Uh, I love story-driven games. They are usually the ones that, you know, end up in my top five lists and, like, start changing my life and everything. So I, last year, around Christmas, I bought Disco Elysium. And it kind of just really turned me off uh, story-driven games, like, permanently. (laughs) So this year, I bought myself Paradise Killer, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish this before we do the podcast. I'm going to finish it in 2020. That's, like, the limitation I'm going to give myself. And guess what? I haven't touched the game. I played, like, an (laughs) hour of it. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a detective story game, but I don't really... I don't want to do this anymore. Like, thanks, Disco Elysium, but I really don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) So then I randomly saw on a Steam sale, I saw uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2, and I couldn't stop playing it. It's excellent. It's, I really, really, really like it. And I, I played a lot of it in 2020, and even more so now in 2021. Um, Do you know anything about that game at all? I know a bit about Warhammer, but I right. know nothing about the game. So, <laughs> Warhammer and um, Warhammer 40k, I think those are like the, the two big parts of that franchise. It's a strategy gaming franchise, but uh, I think, uh, was it like, I want to say four years ago, a small team released a game called Warhammer Vermintide, The End Times, and it's basically 
what you know left or dead was back in the day like you're just four people you're fighting hordes of zombies and the interesting thing that i encountered when i now downloaded vermintide 2 because first of all let's just say it's a fantasy game i don't like fantasy i don't like you know the warhammer stuff i was always like oh this looks very uh i don't want to say yeah (laughs) i don't want to say heterosexual but heterosexual (laughs) uh and i was just like i can't get into this right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but as i was watching the trailers and this is gonna be super weird like sorry guys this is gonna be a weird podcast but as i was watching the trailers i realized this is just overwatch 2 Um, and now i know (laughs) i know what everyone's thinking like what the fuck are you talking about but but (laughs) Uh, basically, uh, Overwatch 2 is never fucking coming out. Uh, I don't want to hear anything. Like, I know Blizzard is going to be announcing something next month. I don't care. It's not coming out. We all know it. Like, <laughs> this shit is not happening, right? But basically what Overwatch 2 is, is just the PvE missions that were sometimes coming with Overwatch's events, right? They sometimes yeah. did PvE content. Mm-hmm. And that was basically, like... There was just like a horde mode with I think in Overwatch it's like no it's four player it's I think it's four players there as well it's just a horde mode where you just like fight hordes of enemies and sometimes there's gonna be special ones that aren't really tanky but they are very dangerous right mm-hmm. yeah and you just try to like you know coordinate your team to shut them down but it's it's very overwhelming like the odds are stacked against you you have to be very tactical and you have to be knowing that you can't like even take on just a horde of enemies or a special enemy as one person. You have to coordinate your efforts, right? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what Warhammer Vermintide is. It's just that. <laughs> it's just that. And, like, for me, it really has been just this really, I don't know, this really fulfilling experience. Like, a very, it's been very satisfying and very gratifying. Like, I'm very happy I got to experience this game. <laughs> because it's just... It's just Overwatch 2. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's exactly what Overwatch 2 will try to do and very likely fail at because this shit is not coming out. So <laughs> it, it really felt like just playing a game from the future. <laughs> and I'm, ha- I'm very happy about it. So, like, to get actually into vo- what the game is, it's, as I said, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's very Left 4 Dead style. You play as four out of five classes that each are, have subclasses that actually drastically change the character. Uh, but okay. you can say like that these five classes are just the character and their voice actor, and then mm-hmm. the subclasses will heavily change it. You, like, you'll have a witch hunter that can okay, become okay. like a very, like, a monk that is a zealot and that is like super hyper religious <laughs> and keeps like he's very masochistic he like whips himself and is like super crazy okay. right but yeah. he still has you know the same voice actor right and he can also become yeah, like yeah, a yeah. mercenary that uses guns heavily right mm-hmm. and so the whole concept is just you have these different missions and maps that all take from the same pool of enemies but these missions and maps are exactly just that. You have this rough uh you have this rough mission that you have to do 
uh, it will roughly say what you have to do in this place, but the encounters you will have, the difficulties you'll encounter, are they're not randomized and work around the specific formula, but that formula is made to test you. So okay. what what that yeah. means is like maybe in one mission you like enter a boss room and you'll be like, okay, this is perfect for a boss to appear. Mm -hmm. And there just will not be a boss. <laughs> and you'll just and you'll, you know, continue to travel towards your objective and you'll suddenly recognize, okay, we didn't encounter a boss. What challenge will await us now? And as you say that or think that, you'll just suddenly be stormed by like swarms of enemies that are that trying to hunt cool. you down, right? That sounds really it's, cool. It's genius. I love it. And so um, it's a very, very hard game because of that. And I don't like hard games, but I really like this game because it's not only is it a team thing, it also is very much about being smart. So <laughs> it's like, it will be like, okay, who is going to deal with the horde? Who is going to try to like these, try to take these literal swarms of enemies off of us? Who's going to take up that role? Who's going to be uh, in a community that are called the sniper that take out, that takes out the heavily, the really dangerous special enemies that aren't tanky, but they're usually somewhere in the back line bombarding mm -hmm. you with fire or something, right? Who's going to be taking those out? Who's going to be dealing damage to a potential boss that appears? And who's going to try and save us all? And that role is usually called the panic button. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the game. It's, it really feels like you're in a haunted house. Like it's very much about the frills. It has a build, it has just a, a slight touch of horror because some maps are just in a complete dark. And I okay. love it so much. That sounds, that sounds really cool. Like, yeah, a nice, nice twist. You know, yeah. And it has, you know, it has, you know, your usual stuff of like, you have gear that you can find. And uh, obviously the subclasses, yada, yada, yada. And mm -hmm. uh, it's basically a first-person slasher. Uh, there is weapons and stuff, but ammo for them is really rare, which doesn't mean that they are uh, not worth it because the ranged weapons, when you find ammo for them, are stronger than your melee options. But it, yeah, mm -hmm. it's very well-balanced. It's very skill-pronounced. Like, your skill will mean a lot in the game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, uh, I'll stop talking about it <laughs> in a minute. It's all right. But I also really appreciate, you know, the classes themselves because they have that very borderlandsy thing where they're all just a bunch of assholes. And, like, you're you're with them on a quest, and they just keep, like, nagging each other and being like, hey, remember that time you got drunk, you fucking idiot? And, like, <laughs> I really appreciate that. So, yeah. That's what I've been secretly playing away with. And not, it's not a real se Not secretly. I, I see you playing that very often. <laughs> mm. Yikes. You can see it on Discord, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that that's what's been going on with me. Uh... It's very cheap, and I'll probably make a video on it because I think it's a very special game. So yeah, that that's me. <laughs> what about you? All right. Uh, so I guess I will start with some honorable mentions as well. And uh, my first one is Donut County. Mm, oh my god. 
so for those of you who don't know it's an absolutely adorable game uh with like a really pretty art style and one of the main characters is like a like a raccoon and basically your goal throughout this game it's a very sort of relaxing game you just chill a lot it's it's a good game to sort of just chill with and not put much thought into it it's just you know when you're stressed you just uh you just have a bit of fun so uh in each level uh you control a hole in the ground and you are trying to swallow items from the surface and whenever you do the hole grows bigger and you're able to uh swallow some larger items and uh that is mostly the premise of the whole game. You just go through a story. You have some quote-unquote cutscenes or like story elements throughout this throughout throughout this game, and you just relax, just swallowing things up as a giant hole in the ground. And the gameplay is not like it is not hard. You cannot really fail. It is just a relaxing thing to spend a, a couple hours with when you're stressed and uh, just want to have some fun it's very good for that <laughs> oh that that one's a great game i also played it this year i i really appreciated it like mm -hmm. like what you said is completely true <laughs> I loved it. So um, I have two other quick shout outs that will be much shorter. Um, I just want to mention them because I think they're a good thing. Um, I haven't played it this year, but it technically came out this year. Darksiders Genesis, uh, made by the people that are now making the League of Legends game. And I wish they weren't. <laughs> Airship Syndicate. They... It's an excellent game. It's probably the best Darksiders game, and it's not even made by the Darksiders people. It's just Darksiders, but it's two-player, perfectly translated, tight budget. The only disappointment that I have with it is it doesn't have a final boss, and the game tricks you into thinking it does. <laughs> but that's about it. Uh, also, other quick shout-out to a game that came out this year and I played this year, Strange of Rage 4 which is just a sequel to, I think, a 40... No, it's not 40 years old. It's got to be about 30 years old game uh, that used to be played in arcades, and it transmits that feeling beautifully. Uh, some say it does not manage to, you know, be a modern game enough, but I really <laughs> enjoyed it. So, okay. I also got uh, two more quick shout outs with some mm -hmm. caveats though um, okay i played what remains of edith edith finch uh this year uh i played it on the switch and it's sort of like a what you would insultingly call a walking simulator uh it's just you're playing through a story and i think it's the game where I see the biggest disparity between how much fun I had with the game and how much fun I had playing the game. Because, uh, to put it mildly, the controls on the Switch are awful. So I would recommend do not play on the Switch. Get it somewhere else where the controls are not stopping you having fun with the game. 
because the story is great, but playing through it was an ordeal. All right. And uh, for my other shout out with a caveat, I um, I started playing. I haven't finished it yet, but I am about halfway through. So I feel um, confident in making a recommendation. Uh, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy. Uh, I started playing it this year and it's a really fun game where you just, you know, do your detective work and you do your attorney work. It's really good. The only issue is it's an old game and sometimes mm. it's understandable like that. The controls are a little bit clunky, but that's fine. But the other issue that stems from it being not really a new game is there are some characters that you could label problematic or just characters I didn't feel comfortable with seeing on the screen. <laughs> so just, you know, be careful. Like there are some um, uncomfortable characters to, to watch. So just keep that in mind if you want to give this trilogy a try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, I oh, I really appreciate the Ace Attorney games. They're amazing. I played them all as a kid, and I definitely know what you mean by problematic mm -hmm. characters now. I feel like they got better with it over the years where they were able to like keep their exaggerated flair without mm -hmm. being as problematic. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, great series, great series. Uh, shall we get into our top... Five, yes, then. let's do top five. Okay, I think uh, the best way to approach this is just... I'll start with my number five. You get your number five out of the way. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. go back and forth a little uh, bit. Sort of as a disclaimer, my list isn't really ordered. My list is more like I have a number one, and then I have a number two to five. And four games share this place, but I have a clear number one. <laughs> <laughs> so I will Same. keep saying my uh, the four games in a sort of order, but they are not really ordered as a disclaimer. Uh, all right. So it's okay. Great. Great. Good to know. Uh, mine is definitely more the traditional one. It's weird because I usually can't do that, but I was really able to do it this year. Okay. So my number five is actually uh, Orient the Will of the Wisps. It's mm -hmm. uh, I played it on the Xbox Game Pass, which has been a blessing every time I tried it out. It's amazing. Uh, and it's really cheap. Everybody should just get it once and see if they like it. Yes. I'll, I'll, I definitely will do it uh, like once a year for sure. Uh, so it's you know your uh, your typical two D Metroidvania side scrolling game, but what impressed me about it is just how much heart there is in a game, like from the beautiful art style, from how alive the setting of the game, the forest that you're exploring, is. It's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. So in short, you just play as a light spirit in the game also called guardian that is basically just there to protect this forest and you live there together with um other you know other creatures you're trying to raise an owl like creature and that owl gets taken away 
by another bigger owl that is clearly like the tyrant of these woods and is corrupting them. And you, obviously, as a guardian, are trying to, you know, restore order in this place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really rewarding in the sen in the usual Metroidvania style. But more than that, it perfects it by diminishing the, the inherent frustrations of that genre. Which is, by the way, a running theme for me this year. You'll see uh, with my other picks. Uh, but yes, so it always manages to make everything you do feel good. No matter if you're backtracking, no matter if you're not understanding a puzzle, you just dart across the screen, it feels responsive, it feels snappy, it's not confusing. And even though it re will require a lot of you, um, namely, <laughs> the game will very, very soon just kind of expect you to just not need to touch the ground or any surface at all, because it will introduce so many ways and mechanics of not needing to touch the ground ever mm -hmm. that it will literally just create, like... You remember those old games where you're just amazed that you couldn't touch the walls on? Yeah. The level design will very quickly become that. <laughs> so, uh, but it's fun. It's fun. I really like it. Um, yeah. Like I, I said again. Yeah. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is not on my list. Uh, not because I didn't love it, but because I haven't played it yet. I have bought it and I'm very excited for it. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, which used to be my favorite game of all time. Mm -hmm. I bought it three times, uh, and I spent a lot of hours with it. Uh, it's just a beautiful game, and I'm really excited to get into the sequel. So I'm glad to hear that it's on your list, because I'm very much looking forward to a sequel to one of my favorite games ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you'll definitely not be disappointed. I'm I'm not gonna be spoiling it. Uh I might spoil other games on the list, but uh it it does do more than other games dare to do while looking like the most triple A game you've ever seen, but having that indie spirit completely intact, which mm -hmm. is honestly not something I've ever seen. So yeah. if if Will of the Wisps is about the same as the Blind Forest, I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's <laughs> much else to say about it. I definitely can say though uh, that I haven't really, and I think that's fine. But I haven't really cut very deep into the meat of the game. I very quickly found a set of skills and equipment that I like, and I sticked to it. I mm -hmm. finished all the big parts of the game, as in, like, all the side content, everything you can reach with the currency, like, currency-wise in the game, but I haven't really gotten very deep into the combat system. Not because you can't, but because I found it very difficult and maybe even punishing to try out different stuff. But okay. I think that's fine, because it's still obviously there for you. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's really a critical, like, a point of criticism but it's just noteworthy when i talk about the game uh i am very much talking about at least combat and traversal wise i'm very much talking about my personal experience with it and not really about all of the possibilities the game actually offers you 
So yeah, that's my number five. <laughs> so let's get to one of my one of the games on my list. Uh, it's Return of the Alberdin. It's uh, no yeah, it's a uh, it's a puzzle game. You, um, it's a game with a beautiful art style. It has like a very specific art style, sort of black and white aesthetic. And it's a puzzle game. You are investigating uh, a ship called the Oberdin, in which something happened. There are a lot of crew members that died on this ship. And your goal is to investigate that and see who those people are and how they died or what they did. Maybe some of them survived. And what Ooh. you... Uh, what you have at your disposal is not just the current scene of the Oberdin, you also have a device that can transport you into the moment of death of uh, a corpse that you see. So you are basically trying to piece together the fate of the entire ship, which is, you know, tens of passengers or crew members from uh, the current state and also from the death scenes. And you're also not just piecing the death scene of the character that you see. You also get, since you get transported and you see like a still image, you can also figure out some other details about some other people, not just the people that died in this scene. And it's just very sort of interwoven woven, and it's just very fun to go through. Um, I picked up this game in the morning and I finished it late night. All of it. <laughs> I just wow, played through it like basically in one sitting. It's an amazing game, uh, like great puzzles, beautiful visuals, just ties it all together. Very much a recommend. There are of course some minor gripes that I have with it. Um, basically, you you have to like to identify a character. You have to choose their names, and the reason they died. And sometimes the reason they died, like you see the scene and you see exactly how they died, but you are. It is sometimes hard to find the correct verb in the vocabulary to describe it. And sometimes it's a game of guessing what the authors meant. But most of the time, it's pretty clear, so... Okay, so what you're trying to say is it does have that usual, the usual problems that puzzle games have, where you just, you're just not on the same wavelength as the developers, and you really don't know what they want from you right now? In is, some cases, it? yes, but it's not yeah. a huge problem by any All right. stretch of the imagination. And that is out on Switch, right? PC yes, as well, I played I it on the Switch. All of the games that I that are on my top list or my honorable mentions are available on the Switch because that's where I played them. <laughs> well, that makes it a lot easier, actually. Yeah. I think same goes for all the games that I am, that, that I will be talking about today. All of them are either on Switch right now, or at the very least planned to be on Switch in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. All right. Great. That's a, that sounds awesome. I, I didn't know anything about that game. 
You right. haven't played it? No, no, but I'm I'm, I'm planning on it because I've you heard should. that it's... You should. I mean, it sounds really fun, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, so my number four is a very controversial pick, and I have thought about at length if I want to even put it on the list, if I even want to talk about it, if I'm okay with it existing, if I'm... Uh, Straight? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, it's Genshin Impact. And <laughs> the the problem is, at the end of the day, I have to be honest with, with myself, and I had loads of fun with this game. So, if you don't know what Genshin Impact is, if you've been living under a rock, uh, it's basically, imagine Zelda Breath of the Wild, imagine that's that sort of open-world formula, but try to apply a more generally appealing, a more, (laughs) let's say, focus group tested look to it, make it more anime, and you basically have Genshin Impact. Now, the problem is that it, it, it takes a lot of good parts of Breath of the Wild and streamlines them in a way that somebody like me that doesn't really like open world games can enjoy, and in my case can enjoy a lot. But the problem is it ties all of that to a horrible gotcha system, which <laughs> gotcha just means it's it's a term used for those kinds of phone games that are just slot machines. And the way this game does that is uh, the weapons and the characters in the game are tied to that system. You can get weapons, you can get both characters and weapons outside of that system, but it's very much the usual thing of like, we are going to very slowly drip feed you the stuff to make you hungry for more. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's sad that you can't really dodge it at all. I can't say that it's just completely awful because the game will reward you with a lot of very powerful characters, even if you just stick to the events that are easy to do. They have... Many of the events even have a custom story that is that has cinematics. You can see the money behind the game, which is not something that is normal for the sector. God, I, I, I wish you could see the money behind games like League of Legends, right? With this mm-hmm. game, you really can't see the money because it has been, ever since it came out, it has been churning out events with new stories that are actually interesting. There's been a fucking meteor shower that that made people fall asleep and it rewarded <laughs> you with one of the most powerful characters in the game just for playing for three days consecutively. Like, holy shit. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it really is. But you can't get away from the gacha system, unfortunately. And from what I heard, it's getting worse and worse. Um, Which is a real pity, because right now the problem that the players are having, and this is like, (laughs) I heavily criticized the game while I was playing it for the system, but to imagine it being worse, that's a nightmare. Because basically what is happening now is that uh, the company recognized, okay, we can give these characters to players, but let's just make them horribly weak unless they get duplicates of the character. Mm-hmm. And that's just a whole nother level of shitty things. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound good. However, um, I still can 
with my whole heart recommend the game if you just want to try it out. It's not, you know, people see this game and they are probably going to think, okay, this is a phone game. It's going to be one of those usual things that will like string you along for 30 hours or something, which is a long time to be playing for free. But I'm just saying it will string you along. It will just be fine, kind of addicting for 30 hours. And then it'll just like whip, whip your face, whip your back and just order you to pay it. It's not that. <laughs> You can play this game for ungodly amounts of time and just enjoy it so much. And then, obviously, there will always come the sour aftertaste of the gacha system. But the fun you're going, or at least the fun I had with this game, is genuine. It's beautiful to look at. It has a fun fighting system that I haven't seen like this anywhere before. So basically, it works around elements, and every character in the game has different elements that they wield, and you can just combine them, like every single element can be combined with another one. To chain combos, you can switch characters during a combo, they all have an ability and an ultimate. To create these beautiful spectacles on your screen that are just gorgeous, and it's all you're doing, it's all that you're doing in the combat, it's incredible. Um, you know, it has the usual stuff like crafting and such, yada yada, that's not important. <laughs> it has really fun exploration that will always reward you with something worthwhile. It's very satisfying to explore, not because you gain a lot of power from it. Uh, that's usually really not it. If you think you're gonna get really powerful by exploring, that's not it. Uh, the way you get powerful in the game, unfortunately, is grinding every day. But... The exploration itself, it has Zelda-like puzzles, it works with physics, it works with the elements your characters have, it's just amazing. And many people have been saying that probably the best you can do with this game is to just play it right now, it has a beautiful, big world as it is right now, and then just drop it for about five years. Because in five <laughs> years this game is going to have a world that is even bigger, even more beautiful. And in five years, they will very likely have to do something to get people back inside. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Like, I am I really am. And I will be patient about it. Um, because I can already I can already say this is not really a spoiler. Also, <laughs> the game is kind of gay. And it's made by Chinese people, which is very questionable. Because the gay stuff in the game cannot be removed. So, I don't know what kind of pass they got from the Chinese government. But... <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, the game right now has two and a half of seven regions um, implemented, and I can't wait to see all seven of them. Uh, it's going to be amazing. So yeah, mm. I, I recommend Genshin Impact. Maybe put like 30 bucks into it to get some characters, and just play it as if you're playing you know, any other open world game. If When you're done exploring the two regions, just drop it play it again when all seven are out <laughs> yeah i've been thinking about genshin impact um uh personally i don't really want to get into it simply because uh i am prone to uh microtransactions i am very mm -hmm. much prone to uh just saying oh i'll just buy one you know and then in a week i bought 10. uh so I am very wary of that and I 
I'm not really sure if I want to tempt fate <laughs> by playing the game. But um, if this is not an issue for you, then I, I, I guess it can be a good experience. I don't have yeah. personal experience with it. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right, All right. let's get to another one on my list, and it's Iconoclasts. Um, <gasps> which is... Uh, it You could technically sort of describe it as a game with Metroidvania elements. I wouldn't probably call it a full Metroidvania. It's... Um, not fully that, but that is the gist of it. And it is a game with a beautiful, like vibrant environments. It's very colorful, uh, very fun, uh, has fun characters, uh, a nice storyline. Uh, it's a very much focused on boss fights. Uh, the boss fights are great. There's like, I don't know, maybe 20 of them or something. and. They're very varied, they're entertaining, unique, and uh, I just really love them. There are some uh, puzzle elements in there as well. There is uh, like a puzzle, a whole puzzle level that is pretty amazing. I really enjoyed that. Um, the music is great. I um, The puzzle level I was talking about is one that you will probably get stuck in for a long time and it has a very catchy soundtrack so what happens is this soundtrack just stays in your head because you spend so much time in this level and you just heard it over and over again and it's catchy and you'll look it up on youtube and you will listen to it on repeat because you know i did that <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's just great. It has great characters. I uh, especially like one of the characters uh, called Agent Black. Uh, and I think you will have a good time with this game. I have some gripes with it, of course. Uh, but overall, it's still on this list. So there's things I didn't like. Um, again, I played it on Switch and it sometimes felt a little bit clunky to control. Not always, but like, it never really felt like 100% smooth to, to, to like, uh, interact with things or like, you know, the jumps didn't feel very fluid or stuff like that. Uh, it didn't like impact my enjoyment from the game too much, but it definitely was there. I noticed it. Um, so that's definitely a thing to, you know, consider. Um, and the second thing I really didn't enjoy um, about the game, you play as Robin, uh, a female character, and uh, she is a mechanic. So she's focused on, you know, manual labor and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, the way she's animated in the game just feels doesn't feel good at all like she walks in this sort of uh, I don't want to say over sexualized way but it feels very much like like that like it mm. doesn't feel like a, like the other characters just walk normally and it's just fine 
but the main character it just it just doesn't feel good it 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 felt uncomfortable for me to watch her walk so <laughs> yeah mm, I, I think I, I, I can already yeah I think I can already imagine it in my head it's it's probably you know not over sexuals but like one of those over feminized yeah o- you know, yeah over feminized over the top yeah yeah, yeah she yeah, like yeah. you know she like has her arms flailing around and she's like <laughs> lifting her legs up and down a lot I know the ones I yeah. know the ones yeah <laughs> okay yeah I mean that that also is one of the games that I've been hearing about I think it didn't come out the, like twenty in twenty twenty, right? It came out in twenty eighteen. Ah, there we go. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been I kept hearing about it for a while now. Okay, yeah. Let's get to number three. Great. So my number three should be no surprise to anyone is Ghost Runner. Ghost Runner is the best cyberpunk game of twenty twenty. I don't care what anybody says. It is. Nothing short of amazing. <laughs> it's not only very graphically impressive for how small of a team has been making it. It also is incredibly smooth. It's basic. So basically, to get to the premise, you play as a ghost runner, which is a cyberized human in the far future that are basically they're not the police as much as they are just peacekeepers they have emotions but since they are cyberized they also can be controlled by their creator uh and they used to protect the city called dharma which is just a gigantic tower uh that all of the human population is living in because the outside world has become inhabitable but the ghost runner program gets completely destroyed by their creator's former partner that wants a different future for the human race. So uh, at the start of the game, you are rebuilt by a resistance and are now uh, fighting alongside them, as well as a virus planted in your head called the Architect, which is the Ghost Runner's former creator. Only problem for the architect is that he can no longer control the, the ghost runners. So now he is trying to manipulate them through lying. And uh, this is really well done. Um, it's ve- it's a very simple story. It never gets complex. It's very much uh, a kid's introduction to cyberpunk. But it does <laughs> that really well. It's not cringy. It's not over the top. It's... The, the architect's lies and the way he tries to manipulate the player and the character they're playing are done well. The ghost runner himself, although annoyingly called Jack, <laughs> fuck <laughs> that name, is a good character. He questions everything. He's not dumb. He will defile orders. He will do what he thinks is right. And um, to get into the gameplay itself, which is <laughs> the meat of the game, because all the sto- all of the story is pretty much uh, told over dialogue in your head that you can very much ignore because the game w- will keep your attention on the game and not what the people are saying. Uh, the game is basically, if you're familiar with games like Hotline Miami and all that, j- that jazz, that whole genre, the concept is you kill everything super fast, but you die in one hit. 
you are mm -hmm. extremely fast, you can run alongside walls, you can dash through the air, you can stop time or at least slow it down heavily to dodge bullets, all kinds of crazy stuff. And you later on gain abilities such as kinetic blasts, controlling people, um, and uh, yeah, all that stuff. But so basically, the game will require you this beautiful balance between having a solid strategy of how to approach a situation as well as being able to work through it when your strategy doesn't work. At least that's how my experience was with it. I saw this room full of enemies, I saw where they were positioned, I saw when and if they could see me, and I often realized I don't know how to approach this. My strategy works up until I'm faced with just one enemy that, with the route that I'm taking, I will jump exactly into his gun. What <laughs> am I gonna do? And <laughs> the game works beautifully around that because you, if you're good enough in, at it, you will just be able to improvise. And often the game will ask of you exactly that. You obviously, typical for the genre, you respawn super fast. Uh, the game do doesn't have a lot of ways to help you out, but the abilities that I mentioned earlier are unlocked independent of you dying or not. So you will have them at different points, which will always spice up, you know, the situation. Like I could say, okay, uh, I've been struggling with this level, I've been struggling on this point, but since my ability is charging independently, now uh, with the enemy that was pointing a gun at me directly in my face earlier, I now can just blast him away of me, like away from <laughs> me, right? So not only that, but it also introduces hellishly difficult enemies that will like block every single one of your attacks if they don't if you're not backstabbing them there will be mutants that teleport around and just are super fast and can slash you in both melee and ranged um situations as well as my least favorite enemy which is just a mutant that is super fast and just explodes when they get <laughs> too near <laughs> And uh, yeah, so beautiful graphics, amazing soundtrack, I downloaded it. Some people are saying that the soundtrack is a little bit boring because it is very, very much that classic cyberpunk. It will not have any, you know, new tunes, new sounds that you haven't heard before. I think it's fine. I think it fits very well what the game is trying to do in both its story and its music. It's just classic cyberpunk. Um, Otherwise, what I also really appreciated is the progression system. It's just a progression system. No fancy schmancy shit. It's just a progression system. The longer you progress through the game, the more of the system you unlock. It's just simple upgrades for whatever the fuck you want to upgrade. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more to it. And I loved it. And yeah, I think... That's about it. It has two boss fights that are really fun. Uh, the game is hard as shit. It's really hard, but please just bite through it. Uh, if you manage to beat Tom, you're good. It's the hardest level in the game, and it's in the middle of the game, and you will not have to worry about anything else. <laughs> so, yeah. It does sound very fun. Yeah. I, I think I might give it a shot, maybe. 
Oh, you'll have to, you'll have to. I'm very yeah, interested sounds, in seeing. Sounds like what something you think I would enjoy. Game. And you know, hard games are pretty fun sometimes. I beat the Splatoon Octo Expansion Secret Boss. <laughs> yeah, look at you. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about another one of my games. Um, it is Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. And uh, that is the freshest game on my list. I literally finished 100% about three hours ago. <laughs> uh, and it's a great game. I, uh, I loved Breath of the Wild, uh, which might not be always a popular opinion, but I thought Breath of the Wild was a great game. And uh, one of the things I loved the most about that game was the art style. So when I saw uh, a Hyrule Warriors game with that art style, I just knew I was gonna get it. I didn't know anything about the genre, I just knew, like, I, I want every game with this art style. <laughs> so I pre-ordered it, and uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's really entertaining to just uh, fight through a horde of bokoblins. It's, uh, the story is fun, actually. I, I love the cutscenes. I love just, uh, going through it. It is a not a direct prequel to Breath of the Wild. There are differences. There is, like, a main story element that is different, and it causes the ending to be different. I won't spoil more than that. But <laughs> it's been entertaining to see how things develop differently because of this new element in the story and so what I loved about about it is um, there are a bunch of characters not as much as in other Warriors games but they were all really unique they each have uh, different attacks of course from each other they all have a special ability that can be very different uh, from character to character, uh, some characters' uh, ability is that they just take flight. And for some, it is their ability is dependent on which other attacks they use or stuff like that. Or maybe for some characters, you have to charge up, uh, charge up some sort of energy bar and then use it with your special ability. So it's very unique in this sort of regard. Plus every character has access to the Sheikah Slate, but they're not the same skills. Every character uses them differently, uh, not just visually differently, but also they are used differently. Um, for example, um, the remote bombs, if you're playing as Link, you, uh, you're aiming your bombs and you're throwing a couple of them while, as you play with other characters, you just throw them around. If you play a Sidon, you are baseballing your bombs. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are actually, you're using your trident as a baseball bat and you are and you have to like time your baseball hits so that you oh actually hit God. those bombs. It's not guaranteed that they will hit. You actually have to hit them with button inputs so that they all hit and that is incredibly fun so you have those skills and they're different from it for every character it's very unique very every character feels very different to play and 
another thing that I really loved about it is it does have sort of a symmetrical level design in the sense that um, you have, let's say, a training level for every character that like whenever you get a new character, you like, go sort of through a training with them and then you have like a second sort of training with that character and maybe you have some like anti-element training like anti-ice, anti-lightning, anti-flame but even though that those are like things that are symmetrical the actual levels inside are very much not they're each very different like maybe maybe some uh like training levels for some characters are escort missions and some are just fight a group of enemies and then fight link or something like that it's just like things you would expect to be a carbon copy of each other with just different characters are very much not and that's what i loved about it it just uh there is uniqueness among things that you would not expect to be unique yeah i think i think this game is very 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 interesting and i've also been considering uh buying it i played the demo and i liked it what i found interesting is um Hi Hyrule Warriors and like all of the Warriors games are very much based on this idea of like complete like exaggeration, complete like mass, both in content and how much mm -hmm. characters there is and maps and just how many hours you put into it. A better word would be just utter opulence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and with with the first Hyrule Warriors, that was what it was but it is unanimously agreed upon that like that is one of the best warriors games of mm -hmm. all time mm -hmm. and now i like the warriors games i've bought a bunch of them but i always kind of get tired of them mm -hmm. and i end up like not and not at all enjoying a lot of the characters be mm -hmm. it because they're just so strong that everything just becomes arbitrary or they or that they are just so weird not that their playstyle is complex they never are <laughs> i'm not talking about this game right now but just warrior games mm -hmm. in general uh that it's just like not satisfying to use so i'm very very intrigued by what happens when the studio that makes the warrior games gets forced to say no stop it stop recycling content stop putting all of the stuff in your game just because you can and start focusing on quality Mm -hmm. And I, I find that yeah. very interesting. I want to say that I haven't enjoyed playing every character, mm -hmm. but uh, I definitely enjoyed a majority of them. And of course, I had some favorites. Uh, I I haven't played any other Warriors games, but from what I've heard, they usually take much longer to complete. I 100% um, at Age of Calamity in about 58 hours. So oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would say it was about reasonable in length. I wouldn't want it to be longer. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really want it to be shorter either. So it was pretty good. Yeah, I, no, no. Yeah, I do have a one sort of minor gripe with it. So you can play as a lot of characters, but this is a link game. <laughs> 
Uh, a lot of the things in this game are link-centered. Uh, for example, the fact that uh, every character has different looking weapons, but they all function identically, except for Zelda, who has two types of weapons that work very differently, and Link, who has three. Oh. Yeah, Zelda has uh, her Sheikah, uh, Sheikah gauntlet thingy, and she has, later in the story, she gets uh, a bow of light to use. And Link mm -hmm. uses um, a sword and a shield, he uses two-handed weapons, and he uses spears, and they're all different in how they work. And other characters do not have this. They have one moveset. So that was a bit disappointing that like Link and Zelda got those. But overall, that's fine. Uh, throughout the game, you also unlock clothes as you also craft in, or, or get in uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, and mm -hmm. the only one who can equip them is Link. Uh, oh yeah. my god, I heard about this. You can also dye those clothes, so there's even more customization still. The only one who can use them is Link. The only other clothes in this game, aside from the ones that Link can use, is the four champions get champion garbs, which is one piece of clothing that's like... A, a piece of cloth around them and you cannot customize it and you can just take it <laughs> off or on so that was a bit disappointing that the customization uh worked only on link but he still looked very cool beating ganon in his moblin mask i think hmm. <laughs> uh yeah um there's also uh a bit too many missions that restrict you to use link in this game uh, oh. I my I had a, a main character and some side characters I played. My main character was Mifa, and I was a bit annoyed at the amount of missions where I couldn't play Mifa. Uh, and yeah, sometimes it was just like weirdly arbitrary. Like I don't want to spoil much, but in the final mission, in the final main mission, uh, you play several. Uh, characters at once and then like in the middle during like the uh penultimate boss fight not the final one but the one before it it just forces you to play link throughout that boss fight mm. so that was like a bit weird I, I don't feel like it was necessary to uh like i understand in some cases like there are some missions where like you're for example forced to use daruk because it's a Daruk mission. But like I feel like there was way too many occasions where I could I just had to play Link. Um and I like it probably the tiniest gripe uh that is also has something to do with this is that I found some game tips during the loading screens that were pretty clearly um meant to focus on Link. Um, I, like, for example, I saw a tip in the loading screen that said, like, uh, I was playing as Mifa, and the tip of the loading screen said, like, stasis. Uh, use stasis on an enemy uh, with a weak point gauge 
to extend the amount of time that you can hit them and deplete their weak point gauge. And I tried it with Mifa, and Mifa doesn't do that. (laughs) Mifa's stasis does not work that way. So I was like, wait, what did they mean by this loading screen tip? Like, I'm playing Mifa, and they said that I could do this with stasis, and I cannot. Like, am I doing something wrong? And then only later, when I played a mission as Link, I tried stasis, and yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you can do that with Link and some other characters, but not all of them. So that was a bit weird. Like, it just tells you to do something, and you cannot <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, there, there's just one other thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, the performance of Age of Calamity has been a huge topic ever since it came out. It okay, runs... Yeah bad (laughs) and it's no surprise that next year there's gonna be a new switch model which will very likely have a lot of improvements specifically for this game and monster hunter rise which just does not look like a game that is coming to switch um (laughs) but you know uh, i just wanted to say it's interesting that this game Age of Calamity is so specifically a Link and Zelda game mm-hmm. when the previous Hyrule Warriors had actually I don't want to say anything false, but if I remember correctly, it had customization for all of the characters and as well as, you know, running better and, you <laughs> know, having more characters and weapons for each character, but I will be able to just update you on this because I will very likely just buy the first Hyrule Warriors today it's the last day it's on sale so okay yeah yeah i i don't want to say like like you always can play as link because no there are a lot of missions where you're restricted to some Mm -hmm. of the other characters but still like you can see that the focus is on link and zelda (laughs) and mainly link so yeah it's that's a tiny bit disappointing but it's still a great game i really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah all right, I think we're down to number two, mm-hmm. which for me is gonna be My Friend Pedro. Came out 2019 on Switch and PC and came out 2020 for all other consoles. I played it this year basically just as a joke because I needed footage of the game and I've always wanted you know, to try it out, not expecting much from it at all. I just found it funny because it's the violent banana shooty shooty game. And it's turned out to be absolutely amazing. (laughs) So it's basically a 2D side-scrolling shooter where you shoot in the direction of where you're pointing your mouse or, you know, the cursor. Um... So that means you turn around through that. You always you're always looking at where the mouse is pointing. You, what I love about the game is. You very much feel like this superhuman, really, really, really good uh, fighter that has just perfect aim and is beautiful at like dodging bullets and everything, because the game achieves this very easily. Because what you, the character you're, that you're playing, what he is doing, 
is nothing supernatural. Obviously, it's supernaturally powered, <laughs> but it doesn't feel that way. You can't jump high. You're not snapping out of animations. If you're jumping from somewhere and then you start rolling, you can't just like suddenly stop rolling on the floor and just like kick someone, right? Everything happens as if this is a human body doing it. Same goes for dodging bullets. You're actually physically dodging the bullets. But because time moves so slow, you can actually, you know, react to it. And you keep up this uh, slowing the time gauge by killing people, <laughs> as well as, you know, um, keep, keeping up your combo. And yeah, this again is a game that I usually would not like to play. It basically, it basically just works on like a level structure. You go through the level, at the end of the level you get a rating for how much of a high combo you're you know, able to achieve. And um, you start off the game with, with just two guns that have infinite ammo, but all the other weapons you find, uh, be it SMGs, shotguns, sniper rifles, grenade launchers they do oh and an assault rifle also uh they all have separate uh ammo which is probably like my biggest point of uh criticism because the ammo you get i don't know if it's randomized but in my experience there's always been it's always been that i'm running extremely low on any kind of ammo and for one weapon, I just have so much of it, so much of it. And that's been a little bit frustrating because the weapons are incredibly diverse, very crunchy, and all of them are fit for very different situations. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so the level structure will require a lot of you and will often require specific stuff but you're still very welcome to be kind of creative you can like find pans that you can just like carry with you throughout the whole level and just <laughs> beat people just beat people with the pan kick it in their face throw a knife at them shoot the pan to deflect bullets off of it you can be very creative with it as well as which is also a very fun unique uh, mechanic this game has but doesn't work with most of the weapons uh, you can point at one point in the uh, in the environment where one of your hands is going to shoot and then shoot at the other point at the same time. So, like, if you're okay. dual-wielding a weapon, you can shoot at two different points at the same time. That is really cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's very um, great soundtrack as well. Uh, even better than the Ghost Runner one. Probably the second best soundtrack I've heard this game. Nah, I'd say it's the best soundtrack I've heard this game. It's it, this year. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's made by I think three or four different DJs. The game itself is made by one person that has been working on this I think for four or five years, and um, yeah, it's very psychedelic. <laughs> uh, you're obviously led by a talking banana, which will shock. Will, which will be shocked at the violence you're using, but still very impressed and slightly turned on. And <laughs> you're going to be taking trips inside your mind and everything. And throughout this whole, you know, insanity, it very much... I like it because it's... <laughs> the story reminds me, and hold me, you know, pause if I sound crazy, but the story reminds me a little bit of Dark Souls. It can be interpreted in a lot of ways, and I feel like it's... 
very simple and beautiful. And I don't know, I really like it. It's something, it's a very, it's a story that I wanted to hear at the time. And I think specifically for men, it's no matter how you're interpreting it, it's something that you will want to experience. So, uh, yeah, really fun game, really cheap, really fast, you know, quickly. You can be, you can finish it very quickly, uh, but you can also try to get the best scores. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> friend Pedro. All right, um, let's get to my last game on uh, my unsorted list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is something we might argue about, but it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, oh, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> uh, I think the main reason uh, I really liked this game this year is because it was the year it was. I don't think it would be on my best games list in a normal year but due to the circumstances i just enjoyed it a lot more than what it probably was worth uh of course it appeared at the best time it appeared at the, st at the start of quarantine and uh, i um it was just a time where uh i was very over the place because all over the place because of uh different circumstances, not just quarantine, but some pretty life-changing events happened in my life. And Animal Crossing was a good, maybe a great anchor point to sort of uh, like keep me grounded to an extent. Like, everything was very chaotic. I, a lot of things were uh, things I had to figure out. And Animal Crossing was just there every day when I woke up. Every day I would just play a bit of Animal Crossing. And it was a sort of routine that just kept me sane throughout that time. It also helped a lot that I was able to play with some other people. And uh, I was able to just socialize throughout through this game. Uh, even though I was not able to socialize in real life. So in these ways, uh, it's been very, very helpful to me this year, even though I think that experience is very much tied to what I was going through and what a lot of people were, to some extent, going through uh, last March and that time forward. And... Even though I sort of dropped the game over the, over the over the months, I still spent about three hundred hours on it. <laughs> so I definitely had a lot of uh, a lot of time with it, a lot of fun with it. But of course, it's not a perfect game uh, by any means. There's a a lot of Nintendo stuff that <laughs> kind of drags it down, like the fact that you just can't do a lot of stuff for no apparent reason, like. Um, even though it's a, a social game, when you invite someone over, you lose access to doing like half of the stuff you're usually able to do. Um, sometimes it just makes you unnecessarily wait for an arbitrary amount of time, even though it would 
not really be necessary. Uh, sometimes there is a lot of repetitive dialogue that just gets in the way of gameplay. Uh, there is a lot of issues with this game, but I absolutely cannot deny that it helped me a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, see, like, this is undeniable. I think in many regards, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, like, Animal Crossing was the biggest game of this year. Uh, you know, in the traditional sense, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> game uh, ever set a new record this year. Uh, which is Among Us, but like in the traditional gaming <laughs> sense, uh, Animal Crossing is n no doubt uh, the biggest game of this year. And like, I played it at launch together with Lily <laughs> and everything, and I was just as excited as everybody else. But the like the problem for me is uh, obviously the stuff you already mentioned, um, the, t the typical Nintendo stuff where everything just takes so long. <laughs> Like, no matter what you're doing, everything is just so dragged on. Um, for me, I have been trying to get into this game many, many times. Um, I basically just played the setup of the game the most, where it's just, like, different from other Animal Crossings. You have basically nothing when you start this game uh, on your island, and you will have to build it up to be a civilization. <laughs> um but yeah, I enjoyed that part. I also enjoyed what happened afterwards. You know, it has, uh, I like the seasonal events as always, but I kind of stopped playing uh, like at all near August. And it basically for me just comes down to this game more than any other Animal Crossings uh, stresses me out. It really, really, really stresses me out. Um, it comes down to a lot of things that are just slightly different in this game than other Animal Crossings. Uh, for example, uh, I'm sure this will get changed in updates, but you know the museum is a is a bit smaller and different, and it doesn't have the ca the cafe in it yet. Uh, Wait, the supermarket. Are you complaining hmm? about the museum? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that's. <laughs> The museum is like game. the best thing about the game. <laughs> I know. I I like the museum in this game. It's very pretty. But uh, my point is there's stuff missing in it. And I'm now getting to what that is causing in my brain. <laughs> uh, so the supermarket is also not finished. Like compared to how it looks in other um, Animal Crossing games, it's at like the second stage. It's usually a lot bigger, has like all kinds of stuff inside. Um, and what that is causing me is it seems to me that too much of the game is outside of my control and not in a pleasant way. I, I have to hope that, you know, there's going to be different clothes in the clothing shop. Uh, when I log into the game, there never are. <laughs> it's always the same clothes. I already own them. <laughs> I have to hope that there's different, you know, um, chairs and, I don't know, tables inside the supermarket when I log in. There never are. It's always the same. I already own them. <laughs> there's different decor. I already own it. And, it's the, and then, I, you know, all my rooms are super, like, barren. 
and devoid of anything. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try to give my room a different feel, but I can't because I can't buy any, you know, wallpapers and stuff because that's only if I'm lucky once a week. And that salesman gives me random stuff that, okay, I don't own it. Granted, I'm not, I, I don't have the, the stuff that she's selling already, but it's just random things. And I can only buy, like, what, three of them? And, there's, you know... There's wallpapers on sale every day at the Nook shop. Really? Different ones, yeah. Oh, well, you know, I didn't, I <laughs> in didn't the, know that. In the place where you buy the, like, the shovels and stuff, Yeah. there is a right no, tab, I actually didn't know which that. has... Uh, floorings and uh, wallpapers every day yeah okay good good i actually didn't know that that <laughs> somewhat alleviates the problem but i think you know what i mean and like yeah while other people have just been obsessing in quarantine about this thing for me it's been very much a thing of like i don't want to do anything and so what has been happening is like all of this stuff is outside of my control and everybody else is just like you know, manically uh, transforming their island into New York. And I'm just like, how? What? How? And it's just really, really, really stressing me out. Other factor is uh, the art salesman. Completely random. He, 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 For me, he literally never showed up. I mean it. He showed up once. And then never again, like ever. And it's not like, oh, you haven't played. It's I have logged in like up until August every single day. He did not show up because it's random. And there's there's going to be thousands. And I do mean thousands of players that have this experience where everything's just not going your way because it's random. Everything you encounter, you already own. Or is random and it's not going your way because it's random. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be the most fucking stressing, anxiety-inducing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's actually even worse than random. Uh, there are some sad encounters every day. Like, uh, Saturdays are KK days. There's always, like, mm-hmm. aside from Celeste and Wisp, there's always exactly one NPC on your island any given day. And uh, there are some... NPCs that will show up exactly once a week, like uh, I think LaBelle is one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have like maybe five or six NPCs that can spawn on the like the other two days where there's not set NPCs already. And mm-hmm. uh, if they don't spawn in one week, then they have an increased chance of spawning the next week, but it's not a guarantee. So, like, you, there is no guarantee. There is never a hundred percent chance that uh, red will be on your island. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, and that was already bad, but that didn't really like. That almost broke me. But then I tried to do the things that I do in other Animal Crossing games, where it's just like, okay, I'll go fishing. And then I found out, okay, uh, I'll just have to be here for literally three real-life hours trying to get this fish in which I am in the optimal position and daytime for, but I'm not getting it. So it's just, it's, I I don't think I've played a more stressful game than this ever. 
And I've played Overcooked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like the game. I just hope, you know, maybe I'll check it out when they put out updates, which is basically like anything but confirmed that they're going to put out updates that will, you know, alleviate some of the fact of the things that I said. Uh, mm -hmm. Add new rooms to the supermarket, all that stuff. But up until the point where they just like try to give me anything and not make the game just be straight up stressful random work no <laughs> no <laughs> so yeah but yeah no like i know it sounds super negative but this is just like i sound this way because i've been playing animal crossing forever and this is the first time it's just not been working for me yeah but it's you know it's fine i'm really happy for the people for all of the people which are fucking millions that this game saved you know this year so should we get to the very surprising number one? I think we have the same number one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's not going to be a surprise to anyone. Yeah. I think we could just talk about it together. Okay, so... Um, Bucksnacks. What do you think? think? Bucksnacks, great game. Never seen it. Great. <laughs> 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 awesome. No, we're obviously talking about Hades. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Hades. Best game of the year. It's the only numbered one on my list, so. Fuck yeah. It's no doubt the best game of the year. Which, before we talk about anything regarding this game, let me just say that this game was made with a specific anti-crunch policy. Mm -hmm. And you can yes. see it. <laughs> The game yes. is fucking brimming with quality. D is the game bugged? No, it's fucking not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Very interesting. I have like a list that I'm reading from or using as an inspiration. Yeah. And I always have uh, the good and the bad written with every game. And Hades is the only one where the bad is no complaints. Fuck so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, l let's just get my complaints out of the game. Uh, yeah. out first um, sure <laughs> my only complaints are there's not more of it and there will not be more of it and i had a complaint that was fixed before this podcast go went <laughs> out where it was just like they keep updating the pc version of the game and not the switch one and that's just done with now because they did it on christmas i think around christmas so yeah <laughs> yeah no complaints okay do you want to start with why you like this game Oh, okay. Boy, do I. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So in Hades, you're playing as the titular Greek god of the underworld's son called Zagreus. And in typical Greek tragedy fashion, Zagreus wants to find out what the fuck happened to his mom. Uh, she's gone. Persephone is just not in the underworld anymore. And Zagreus wants to escape the underworld to go reach her on the surface. His dad, though, is not happy about that and is trying to get him killed. And that's the setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's uh, he's not trying to get him killed because Agris cannot really die. He's trying yeah. to keep him in the underworld. Uh, so this game is uh, sort of a roguelite, meaning you uh, keep doing the same thing, you're trying to escape the underworld, and uh, if you do or do not, at the end you always have the opportunity to get better 
to try again with more advantage. So, yeah, uh, I have to say I am not a big fan of roguelikes. I'm not a big fan of roguelites. Uh, it is just not a genre I really enjoy. I I like clear uh, progression through the game. But this is still my game of the year, so... <laughs> this game is amazing. It... Um, I'm gonna start with the part I enjoy less but still love so much, and that mm-hmm. is the gameplay. Uh, the combat is great. Uh, you have six weapons to choose from, and each weapon has four different modes that alter what the weapon does. One of them alters it drastically, and um, I am very surprised at how much I like all of them. I, at the beginning, I preferred the sword and I was just playing with the sword Uh, but over time I started to love weapons that I used to hate such as the shield and the bow really hated the bow now it's probably my favorite weapon Uh, and I just cycle through all six of them I enjoy playing with all of them Uh, that is something that just doesn't happen to me what also doesn't happen to me is, um, so over time, uh, during the run, you find different boons, which are different, uh, well, boons that uh, the gods of Olympus give you to aid you on your journey. And with this, you're sort of aiming for some sort of build that helps you escape the underworld. And in these types of games, I usually aim for one thing that I'm comfortable with. And if it doesn't happen if I don't get right boons I just would try again uh, but in Hades I don't do that in Hades I try out different things all the time and it's incredibly fun <laughs> yeah no I can completely uh, you know I completely agree uh, about the weapons I've had the same experience where uh, you're almost disappointed when you unlock a new weapon and you're just like, oh, that's so lame. Like with the shield, I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, oh no. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's probably still my, uh, my like less used weapon out of all of them. But not because I don't like it, just because I like the offer so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all of them will eventually just shift into a position for the player where they are at the very least satisfying to use mm-hmm. none of them will ever just be a complete you know dud yeah uh, eventually everyone will just see okay maybe i don't like this weapon but i like this variation i like focusing on this one thing with this with this weapon because even if you don't like for example the bow uh, and you you say okay i, I just prefer melee weapons you can just you know, dash behind an enemy and just stab them in the back with your special. It's just as if you're playing a melee weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have this experience with the shield. I do. Mm-hmm. I never use the bull rush. Uh, so I always pick uh, aspect of Zeus, which makes uh, your special into uh, a rotating disc that flies out and damages enemies in the distance. And that is the only way I play the shield. So I don't like all the aspects of the shield, but there is an aspect I enjoy very much. So I feel that even though you might not like 
all of the different aspects of each weapon, there will always be one, at least one aspect of a weapon that you really enjoy. Exactly. Um, I personally, I I've been wanting to talk about the progression next because I think <laughs> this game has a very different and interesting approach to it. So obviously you have your usual rogue light progression where ah oh, you died get some bonuses to your survivability but not too much of them because we still want you to be good <laughs> <laughs> and so you can just like improve how how many times you can revive yourself or maybe just improve the rarity of the stuff you find throughout the levels <laughs> and that's just the beginning progression but soon, obviously, you'll start to unlock weapons, you'll start to unlock, um, you know, to upgrade the weapons themselves uh, by blood. Then you'll be introduced to being able to upgrade, you know, hell itself, where suddenly there's more variety in the rooms you find, which will improve the treasures inside. And then you'll find out that the mirror you've been using at the start of the game to get these pre-game bonuses can actually be flipped for even more specific bonuses that are, you know, more of an acquired taste, but I usually use like one of, or two of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll also have side quests or, well, side quests is probably too much of a big word for it, but you have a list of uh, things you can try to fulfill to get uh, large bonuses through that. And there's just so many interlocking progression systems that you're never left out of trying to reach the next goal. Because then what starts off as just being a story thing, namely talking to the characters, soon turns out to actually be very important when you find out that talking to people unlocks secret aspects for your weapons. Not only that, but they will also give you artifacts, which are another type of progression that just works by you using an artifact. But <laughs> talking to the characters in the very late game will also reward you with companions that are probably the final progression system that, you know, can be up that is probably mo the most difficult to upgrade because it requires the rarest resource. But yeah, there's always more systems to keep you hooked. Even if they are sometimes just story-specific, they will often be interlocking with the gameplay and vice versa. Sometimes something starts out as being a gameplay reward and it will become a story reward and, you know, the other way around. Mm -hmm. One more thing that I want to mention with regards to the progression is uh, I think it's called God Mode. It's an optional setting mm -hmm. which makes you stronger every time you fail and thus makes the game easier every like as, as you progress throughout the game. If that is what you want to do, if you feel like the game is too hard, you can make it easier. And that is very nice that it's like an optional setting you can choose. I have personally not tried it, but I have heard that it's good. And it's just a way to enjoy the game, even if you are not or don't really want to be good at it. 
Yeah, I've heard about it. I've been meaning to ask you about it, but I don't know if you know the answer to this. Um, I've not personally tried it out of fear that it's how video games usually do it, where you use the setting and you're locked out of certain progression. I'm not as, sure if as that's the case. As far as I know, the only difference is what the mode actually does, and you can turn oh. it off at any time. I am not 100% sure, but I'm pretty... like. From what I've heard, this is how it works. But I would yeah. tr- I would confirm it somewhere else. But I don't think it puts any sort of badge anywhere. I, I think it can be turned off no problem at any time. I don't think it affects anything aside from the gameplay. I'll definitely have to, uh, you know, look it up. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like I said, I'm very much interested in it. Because the game is very, very difficult it's not being overwhelmingly difficult for me yet, but mm-hmm. it, I'm pretty sure I'm like at my limits, um, <laughs> which is not isn't is not something bad. The game doesn't really need you to complete its more more difficult you know runs, mm-hmm. but you know it's just um, maybe it'll be an alternative when I uh, eventually you know hit my actual hard limits of yeah. how much I can take. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the game has very, very welcoming and cu- uh, customizable difficulty. You can choose how you're going to torture yourself yeah. in this game. Yeah, you can, uh, make, uh, you can make the underworld harder by doing specific things. You don't choose difficulty settings, but you choose specific things such as enemies have a larger amount of health, or traps deal more damage, or you have a time limit, or uh, enemies are uh, have like two hits worth of invulnerability at the beginning, or you heal less, stuff like that. You like specifically tailor disadvantages that you want. Yeah, uh, and you know, as well as my favorite difficulty setting that always ends up biting me in the ass, making bosses harder. <laughs> It's my favorite I, I, one, but I have holy shit. I've so far only done uh, the first boss fight higher. <gasps> no way. Yet. Oh, you're gonna hate the third one. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I think if you make the third boss harder, it deals more damage than the harder version of the final boss. <laughs> like, if you look away from the screen for one second, you're just dead. But not but not like you lost a, a life thing. You're, you're just dead. <laughs> okay. It's I, I very guess impressive. I'll see. Uh, I am sort of going in the... Throughout the game... Uh, cycling all the weapons. I am not doing like one weapon and just grinding away uh, at higher and higher um, levels of, of difficulty. I am increasing the difficulty by one and then going through all six weapons before I complete runs with all of them and then increase the difficulty again uh, for all of them. So that's how I go. So it's um, doing the progression a bit slower, but I'm doing it with all weapons at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's been a bit of both, actually. Uh, I kind of just go with the flow with whatever I'm feeling. Right now, it, Hades is a really good game in that sense that you are very welcome to just set goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And 
as you're doing that, as you're trying to complete those goals, you'll find new things, you know, new ideas of what you could be doing right now, what you could be trying to achieve next. So I really appreciate it in that regard. Obviously, yeah. no brainers with the studio that it's coming from. It's got an excellent soundtrack, uh, beautiful graphics that are, you know, have this really great comic booky hand drawn look to them. Uh, I feel like Hades is again another step up for uh, Supergiant Games mm -hmm. in regards to everything. Uh, <laughs> the not only graphics, they always get more and more mature. The style gets more and more developed, capable of you know portraying more and more different things while still sticking to their theme. Um, and I also really appreciate, honestly, on just a technical level, Supergiant Games always has games that are so interlocking and give the players so many options while still being in this frame of this really snappy, aggressive action game. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate how much programming skills that takes to make a bug free. It yeah. should not be underestimated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's time to talk about the story. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I find myself looking forward to the story more than the actual gameplay. And mm -hmm. I love the gameplay. So that tells you stuff. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, I love interacting with the characters. I love progressing their stories. Uh, one gripe I always have with roguelites is it feels often like the story doesn't really progress. Like you're just doing the same thing over and over again, trying to beat harder bosses or beat them over and over again. Uh, but not here. You have a very clear story to go through and you're always progressing. One thing that I absolutely love about this is uh, the fact that when I play roguelites, uh, I think my main issue is I don't like uh, the feeling of wasting my time. I hate when I lose a run and that basically tells me, okay, uh, you just spend 20 minutes of your life accomplishing absolutely nothing in this game. Uh, but that does not happen in Hades because when you lose, you still like... Um, the story progression happens every time you return to the underworld. So even if you lose, that just means that you got to the story progression faster than you would usually do. Because mm -hmm. you got to the underworld faster than you would if you won. So even if you die, you don't feel bad about it because you get to talk about the character. You get to talk with the character sooner than you otherwise would have. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I completely share that opinion. Um, this game has a way of always rewarding you no matter what. And I really love how the story fits into the theme. It's very much, it almost feels like a meta commentary on its whole genre, the, lo the roguelites genre, where roguelites the problem with roguelites and a lot of the times their story as well is like you're already frustrated with the fact that you just wasted your time 
which is something no roguelite will ever, you know, be able to completely remove, um, you don't need, you know, the game already, the game also then being like, you suck, uh, here have this really gloomy atmosphere because we're all just Dark Souls clones, like, fuck you, fuck us, ugh, right? Mm-hmm. And I love how this game starts with that, but it has a purpose, it has a reason. Zagreus is super emo boy, I hate everyone, everybody hates me, and to an extent it's true <laughs> at the start <laughs> of the game. Uh, but the story evolves from that, and so does the game. And while, you know, Zagreus, I don't know how much we want to get into spoilers, but eventually he will found, find out that he can't really leave the underworld. Uh, there's, you know, there's a there's a you know there's a comma to that there's some there's another thing to that statement but generally it's true and so he's stuck in this limbo but you the player and the story itself is then given the situation and is able to make something beautiful about this feeling of being trapped in hell that maybe it's not so bad maybe you know there's something there's something peaceful to be found in this cycle and the actual contents of the story aside, I found that super inspiring. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the story is, is, is great. <laughs> it's, uh, and you know, on a more personal scale, uh, it has great, very wholesome, very heartfelt stories between the characters, between what they're trying to achieve, between the dialogues they have. They all feel so alive and like they're actually inhabiting this world. It's uh, indescribable, really. Yeah, there is a couple side stories in the game that are uh, emotional, uh, just uh, doing really nice stories about characters you probably know, like Orpheus or uh, or Achilles. And yeah. uh, it is very very pleasant and very satisfying to uh, see that progression happen and you making that progression in their story. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. I think that's about it uh, for, you know, Hades. Go play uh, Hades. Go play Hades. Uh, Even if if you've already played it, go play Hades. (laughs) If you take anything away from this podcast, go play Hades. Um, last thing on our list of topics, and I, as you can already sound for, uh, hear from the incredibly loud sound of my keyboard clack, clacking away, uh, <laughs> my last point on my topic list was, what games are you looking forward to in 2021, if any? Uh, so, I am not really looking forward to any games that will come out mm-hmm. uh, I might get some of them I'm not yet sure but my focus in 2021 is getting rid of my huge backlog or at least some of it so I will be playing a lot but if 
I am gonna be making my best games I played in 2021 list is very likely gonna be games that did not come out in 2021 and it's games that I have on my Switch now that I haven't played yet which is like maybe a hundred of them so there's a lot of good to go through I uh, I'll see if there's something fun to pick up this year but my focus is gonna be on playing games that I've already bought. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think uh, if I want to be honest with myself and be realistic, uh, it's going to be looking very, very similar for me as well. I don't have a backlog uh, per se, but it always kind of works out for me that I play games that came out a while back and that I forgot or that I ha that have, you know, this really interesting story uh, concept or this gameplay concept that I want to try out. Um, but I'm going to, you know, be a controversial ass again and say I'm looking forward to the League of Legends video game. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, politics aside in video game industry BS aside, I think Riot Games is positioning themselves to do something I have wanted to be happening in the video game industry since I was born. They have this world and it's they have this story that is, to be fair, super dumb. Like, let's just be clear. Everything Riot Games is writing story-wise, I'm not saying lore-wise, I like the world they're working with, but story-wise, everything they're writing and have written is poo-poo. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> the, their whole <laughs> thing for 2021 is uh, wife steal. Not life steal, wife steal. Wives are just getting stolen, guys. <laughs> we have to do something about these stolen wives. Uh, but... <laughs> Nevertheless, what they are doing is amazing. They have League of Legends, they have the card game, and now they're just pushing out probably, you know, a game a year that is outside of that, and that will influence the story of all these other games. And I think that's just fucking amazing. They're gonna have, you know, cross-game events, that tell this really, really dumb story, but they're gonna, you know, there's gonna be actual change in all of their games reflecting this. I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe in <laughs> free-to-play cynical video games. And I like it. I hope they're able to make something beautiful out of this one day. And I hope everything goes well for them this day. Uh, because basically what I mean, to get a little bit more specific, maybe this was a little bit wonky of an explanation. Uh, League of Legends, the huge billion dollar game that I think earned like three billion uh, dollars of revenue in 2020. Um, all of the new characters that are releasing this year will be taken out of the League of Legends video game that is releasing this year. That is going to be a single player RPG. So they've gotten to the point where they have so many characters in their game and their game has gotten so old that they can just say fuck it we are basing our game around whatever we want and we can now base you know all the content that we will be releasing this game uh this year for our game around you know this other game that we're bringing out 
And I just really like that. <laughs> I think that's a genius idea. I really it do. It sounds really fun. Like, I genuinely enjoy that concept. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure if I will actually play any of this. Most likely not. <laughs> but yeah. um, I am looking forward to what they're going to come up with. Same, for sure. Okay. Uh, I think uh, that's got to be it from us, you know, for uh, this episode. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Lil? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think we said everything. Uh, go play Hades. It doesn't matter if you already finished it. Go play it. <laughs> there's good. We guarantee there's going to be more for you there. <laughs> I haven't met a person that hasn't liked Hades yet. Uh, every person I recommended Hades to absolutely loved it. So um, go play it. Buy it. It's cheap. And it's game of the year. A lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's game of the year. It's game of the year. Yeah. And, 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 and not The Last of Us 2 politics. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. We are the Game Awards and we award the Game of the Year to Hades. Yeah. Yeah, we're at an hour 51 minutes right now. I think there was some pre, pre-podcast pre talk, so it's probably going to be less, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm stopping recording. Hmm?